When you're lost in the darkness, look for the pod. Specifically, the Prestige TV podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, where we're breaking down every new episode of HBO's The Last of Us. On Sunday nights, grab your battery and join Van Lathan and Charles Holmes for an instant reaction to the latest episode. Then head back to the QZ on Tuesdays for a deep dive with Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin. From character arcs to video game adaptation choices, story themes to needle drops, we'll parse every inch of this cordyceps-coated universe. Watch out for mouth tendrils and follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Slug, and Craig Horlbeck. The NFL Combine is over. We're coming yeah. here on the Ringer NFL Draft Show between now and the NFL Draft, obviously. It's in late April, and today we're giving out awards because the NFL Combine is over, which one, kind of a celebration for me personally. I just love when the Combine ends. <laughs> it's a grind. But also, yeah. yeah, we're just going to give out awards, and honestly, super rude. Derek Carr decided to just be like, you know what, I'm going to just sign with the team. Mm. allegedly, reportedly, and take out the wind from the sails of our pre-combine episode. So we're going to talk about Derek Carr, and then we're going to get to all the combine stuff. All right, so Derek Carr, according to Ian Rappaport and NFL Network, has signed with the New Orleans Saints for a four-year deal for $150 million. That seems fake. So does the $100 million in total guarantees. The $70 million effectively fully guaranteed, that actually seems real. So basically, Saints are paying Derek Carr $70 million over Two, two or three years, something like that. That's still kind of, that's a lot. That's like $35, $38 million. So, wow. That's really weird. So, I guess, do we care about Derek Carr? Do we? Chris Chris Olave, I think, cares. (laughs) (laughs) I like to get really angry about the Saints three to four times a year. Just kind of like a quarterly thing I do. You know what I'm saying? Like change the oil in your car. (laughs) scream Quarterly. Scream about Mickey Loomis. Like, ah! And that's a, that's this is a good opportunity where it's just like, hey, congrats. You might go 10 and 7 and win the division. So long as 38-year-old Cam Jordan keeps on cooking. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. The Saints <laughs> have not drafted a quarterback in the first round. All right. Since 1971. <laughs> can you name that Jeez. quarterback? Archie I Manning. I saw it. Yes. Archie Manning. <laughs> no. Archie Manning's sons? Have retired. <laughs> Archie Manning's grandchild is like almost going to go that's, in the first round. Wow. That's context right there. How can you be doing this? How is this a way to manage a team? This is unbelievable. There's just like, 
we're going to be as me- consistently mediocre to above average as possible with an occasional spike of like maybe greatness. And like, sure, if you want to go like, oh, Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott are the only other good quarterbacks in the NFC, we have a chance. Like, I guess so. But it's just not worth it. We're going to be back in 2024 having the exact same freaking conversations. It'll be great, though, because then they'll draft Arch Manning and their philosophy will be every 50 years or so we draft a Manning. And it works in the first round. Every 50 years. It skips a generation. It skips a generation. It's like Haley's Comet. That's just, just, yeah, whatever it comes around. Uh, I have nothing to add to that. Well done, Ben. I think you capture a lot of our feelings there. I put on a hoodie before this show, and I knew if I started yelling about Derek Carr, I'd get hot and sweaty, (laughs) and now I already am. (laughs) From Vegas to New Orleans, the man loves to party, Derek Carr. Wow, yeah. That's kind of like a contrast to who he is personally, I feel like, too. (laughs) I think so. He's just like, man, you all got some real nightlife on this bourbon street. What's going on (laughs) over there? Uh, yeah, delusional team, delusional quarterback. It's really good. Also, I feel like Derek Carr going, you know, Jets said Derek Carr would be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Can't believe they let him out of the building. Wow. You know, it's tough. Yeah, so Saints get a Hall of Fame quarterback. Jets, maybe they can land plan B. Their other Hall of Fame guy, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we'll go over all that. This probably does mean the odds of Aaron Rodgers to the Jets increase. We'll see. We're going to get a bunch of, we're recording this Monday afternoon. We're going to get a lot of, Daniel Jones and the Giants and Saquon Barkley news, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens news tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday. So we'll do a whole quarterback, yeah. you know, landscape extravagance. We'll do all that, I guess, Wednesday morning. So we'll hit the Rogers stuff more. But yeah, mm-hmm. Derek Carr, Saints, you know, yeah, we'll just see Derek Carr at Patty O'Brien's, I guess. You know, sure. Hitting the Hurricanes <laughs> or whatever. All right. Let's get to the Combine winners, losers, yeah. awards, all that jazz. DK, need to toot, toot. We're going to toot your horn. You said... On our last week, when we were at the combine, before all the quarterbacks tested, before all, all the players tested, the person who would be the star of the weekend would be Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. And yeah. you were exactly right. So, would you like to toot your own horn? Toot toot. Toot it. Go me. I feel great. Uh, Anthony Richardson, basically the most athletic quarterback in combine history, maybe ever. Uh, he weighed in 244 pounds, big fella. And seeing him at the podium, too, is like really impressive. Like he's just a huge guy, especially. And we said this on the show before, especially when you're like standing next to Bryce Young and whoever, like literally anybody he stands next to, except for maybe like Darnell Washington. He looks huge. Um, and he came out and absolutely just destroyed the combine four four three forty, which is third fastest in combine history at quarterback. Uh, 1.5 to 10 yard split. So he's very explosive out of the blocks. That's third most th- third best in combine history. 40 inch vert. For quarterback? Inch vert. Yes. Yeah, for quarterback. So like he ha- he put up all time quarterback numbers almost in forty, and then a ten yard split. But then he put he posted the number one numbers in vertical jump, which is forty and a half, and broad jump, which is ten nine. So extremely explosive, dude. Run- seeing him run the forty, like he just looks different. Like he like two hundred forty four pounds. He ran a four four three. Like that is absurd. That's more athletic than Cam Newton. And you know what? He didn't even run straight. If you watch it, he like <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, he lost time. I saw somebody post this on Twitter and I was like, this is so right. He is the LeBron of football. Like he, he is just at a different level athletically and size wise than anybody else. I don't love that actually, because like LeBron was so clearly the number one, so clearly talented beyond talent, right? Like 
like in terms of like physical that's what i mean yeah that's what i mean like physical attributes yeah the one thing that yeah uh, seeing them in person seeing them move and seeing them throw the one thing that stood out with richardson was how broad he was right like like 244 he's a is a big guy but he's 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 wide he's got like wide hips wide shoulders when you watch him play he's got such great contact balance like utah defense vans are just falling off this guy the the utah film will live with me forever we're just like free rushers just bouncing off him. Like, how does a guy that plays quarterback at this level of contact balance? And then you see him in person with no pads on. He's just so rocked up. He's so well booked. Like, oh, this makes sense. This is the, it's a defensive end hitting a defensive end. It's just the Florida defensive end turns out can throw and run and do all this stuff. Yeah. So I had the same impression being there in person. I look because Bryce Young went to the podium and then like half an hour later, the same podium, Anthony Richardson's there. And I literally remember thinking, if they were Russian nesting dolls, Bryce Young could fit inside of Anthony Richardson. <laughs> a little Matryoshka doll. Seamlessly. He's so, like, I can't, I, I know it's obvious that the guy's bigger. I can't actually emphasize how much bigger. It reminded me all, he's also, his voice is, Anthony Richardson's voice Super is like deep. butter. Yeah. It's so deep. He could be a Velvety. radio announcer tomorrow. Get him on with then, Rosillo now. <laughs> actually, he ha- he does. And then also, you remember that scene in Bad Boys 2? When the kid comes to pick up Martin Lawrence's oh, daughter. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm here, you know, to pick up your daughter. He's like, Reggie, how old are you? He's like 15. He's like, you look 30. Like Anthony Richardson, <laughs> the idea that it's this is like man. the young quarterback is yeah. ridiculous. He also threw the ball well. So like, how, how did he look throw in at the combine on Saturday? That seems important. Yeah. <laughs> I. I will say he threw it well. Uh, velocity was was notable, right? He he threw clearly faster than Stroud and in the group in which he was. Levis also like Levis hopped up to the combine or to the, the podium of the combine, and he was like, "I got a cannon, and yeah. I'm going to show it off." And then he was like guiding all of his throws in, compete, son. So he Richardson didn't, he didn't was, let loose. Yeah, yeah. Richardson was ripping it. I will say Richardson's legs went by the end of the the day, which is the 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 trouble that you run when you do all the drills and then you go to throw yeah. Richardson like jumped and then he jumped again and then he jumped again and then he jumped again and then he ran the 40 and he's doing a lot of stuff. And then, and then when, when you throw, you're throwing three balls in 15 seconds, right? Which think about like being a quarterback, you don't do that. You don't throw that many passes in that short of a time. And so by the end of the drills, you could tell his legs were going a little bit and that was hurting his, his throne versus like CJ Stroud, who Holy smokes, man. CJ Stroud was walking down the field and handing football to cats. Oh man. Stroud was something, to, something <laughs> to see. but yeah. I will say that like, <laughs> If you're sitting there and going, oh, I'm really worried about Richardson's accuracy. Nothing that he did at the combine was like, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, oh, what a miss. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. No, he threw the ball. He threw the ball like every other quarterback did. He threw the ball with, with, with quality accuracy and then with, with, with high velocity, which is what you expect from him. And so, like, a good day thrown for Richardson for sure. I feel like you mentioned Stroud. I feel like he was one of the other winners. Like, his press, he, like he, threw, he said at his press conference, I thought he walked the line of being confident but not cocky mm-hmm. extraordinarily well. In that yeah. he basically was like, he actually, speaking of horn tooting, he said, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I throw guys open. And then yeah, as you said, that. just looked different than most of the other guys in terms of like throwing the ball, putting it on their shoulder. Stroud gave me some Jalen Hurts vibes when he was talking and when he was when he was mm. just handling his business. Just in terms yeah. of like when, when Hurts talks and you go like, oh, ooh, yeah. I'd go to war with that guy. Like that, that's the the sense of unflappability, right? The sense of poise, the sense of confidence without being cocky, right? Earned confidence you get with Stroud. Um, Stroud is the sort of guy who, like, when he walks into the combine, you go, okay, well, it's tough for him to win, right? Richardson's gonna test so much better. Uh, Levis is gonna test better, right? Levis came in with good, good frame, he's you know, good athleticism, whatever. It's just not Stroud's game. And then it's thrown on air, so like who really cares? And like, like when Stroud started throwing, I was like, I don't care. He's obviously he's going to be accurate. He's throwing. <laughs> there's no corners. Like, I don't care. Don't care. Don't care about this. 
And by infant throne, I was I like, care. Oh, <laughs> oh, buddy, I care a lot. Six to midnight. Uh, first, I'll, I'll say, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just like, ignore that comment. Sure. I'm just, yeah. I'm just steamrolling. <laughs> the first thing I'll say is this the ball came off Stroud's hand faster and quicker than I thought it would. Uh, he, he's got, in my opinion, an arm that is like, uh, it's not elite, but it is remarkably above average. Like, if you made me pick between Stroud's arm and Bryce Young's arm, like Young does some creative stuff, but I think Stroud is a better arm. And people don't talk about that enough. Uh, so arm looks great. And then just, I mean, seven routes, some four, six receiver. He's never thrown it to just, it was so effortless. He never made a receiver hesitate, stop, adjust. I mean, he just is something to see throwing the football. Stroud is, Stroud is again, like I've said this before, this was 2007. Stroud would be wide receiver or quarterback one with a bullet, no question, right. not a conversation. And because we've entered this era of mobile quarterbacks, you have to start wondering what's the ceiling, what's the floor, what if he gets banged up, can he protect himself, like all of this conversation. But it just in terms of pure quarterbacking, right? You ever see the James Acaster comedy skit where he's like, pure copping, just pure copping. If it's pure quarterbacking, CJ Stroud's the guy. And it's, it's, it's the mobility and the margin you have to ask questions about. Ben, you said, like, looking at the way he threw at the combine, uh, when's the last time you saw somebody throw that way? You make it sound like you haven't seen somebody hit a receiver like that in 10 years. Is that like what Trevor Lawrence did? Did Kenny Pickett do that? Like, is this something that you see every Kenny combine Pickett. by one quarterback? Or is I this mean, rare? I would say you often see quarterbacks look really good. I would say, like, like DJ tweeted out during the combine, and it was, like, it was cool. It was cool because, like, I tweeted, like, man, Stroud's throwing the ball really well. And, like, two minutes later, DJ was like, yo, Stroud's throwing the ball really well. And I was like, I got you. Open the booth, baby. Me and you. <laughs> We're dialed in. But uh, DJ, like, DJ tweeted out, like, this is one of the best learning sessions we've seen. Like, we often see guys who are accurate look really good. That's why it's like, don't care about this. Like, don't get swept up in this. But it was just hard not to because Stroud looked like as as polished, as professional, as as beautiful as a throw as you'll find and leaving college entering the NFL. Uh, he's tempting, man. He really is. Hmm. This is what I was talking about before we went to the combine last week. We're all human beings. And w when we see these guys, you know, in real life and you talk <laughs> to them. just nods. It, yes, yes, we are human beings. Mm, I mean, like, I know that it matters. Like, it does matter. Like, we have these biases, inherent biases when we meet people. Like, I, I would agree with the CJ yeah. Stroud. Like, he was very impressive at the podium. Like, very business-like. I could see a, a GM or coach being like, this is the kind of guy who's going to run our team and be like the general, the field general. And that's why Jalen Hurts, I thought was a great comp because Jalen Hurts is just like super serious. I don't know if I saw CJ Stroud smile the entire time. He probably did, but he was all business. Mm -hmm. And so um, when it comes to guys that you want to trust to like, here, here's my job. Like if you fuck this up, I'm getting fired. Like it's in terms of like making that decision, I could see Stroud um, really, really impressing people. And I think he's going to be the first pick. Like I'm doing my post combine mock. I think Stroud is going to end up be, being the first pick, even though Anthony Richardson is like the star, the superstar of it. I think Stroud mm -hmm. was very, very impressive. When I entered the season, I entered it with Stroud as my QB one. And here I am like a month, <laughs> month and a half out from yeah. the draft. And I'm yeah. like, man, oh, I want to put him there. I want to put him there really bad. I don't know if I'm supposed to, though. It's very tough. <laughs> so flip side, loser of the combine, Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, who I don't know if you fell out of the conversation for number one, but I mean, let's just cut to it. How far does a guy fall down your board, DK? If was he wearing platform shoes? Were there was elevator <laughs> shoes at the like the presser? Like what was going on? Pretty normal shoes. Find a new slant. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really I didn't see the shoes up close, but there was a picture that showed him behind the podium. Why does he have to look close, high, like taller at the podium? Doesn't matter. I, I think they were because Anthony DK. Richardson's going to be there. You just said it. You just said it, DK. We're all humans, right? 
Every yeah, single person, <laughs> every single person who saw Bryce Young in person last week has a story about their experience of seeing Bryce yeah. Young. You run up with Anthony Richardson, so absolutely you want okay, Bryce fine. to try and feel and look as big as possible. I take it back, in, in fact, because and now I'm remembering someone. It might have been you, Ben. Uh, showed me a picture of the placement of the microphone, <laughs> like how because oh like God. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Richardson and uh, and Young both went at the same podium, like at different times, and there was like two pictures, like the the microphone like came up to like. Anthony's uh, stomach, and then it was like at like Bryce Young's chin or whatever. It's just like, oh god, that's a very stark difference. Um, it's kind of like you know that photo of Aaron Judge standing ne- standing next to Jose Altuve <laughs> at the All Star right, game, right, right. And it's like, except the microphone is going to be like, I don't know, Micah Parsons is like shoulder, except one of them is going to go into Bryce Young's face, and the other one's going to go into Richardson's like solar plexus. It's just, I, I see now why you'd be afraid if you're an NFL GM to be like, yeah, yeah. So like, you wrote a great piece in Bryce Young's size. He's one of the two or three shortest quarterbacks to ever probably go in the first round. And he's one of the two or three lightest quarterbacks to ever go in the first round. Like that's that's a terrible comment. At some point, it's just physics. It's like mass and force. And he doesn't have much mass. Can we spend some time on his weight here for a second? So we've been talking about this for weeks leading up to it. What did he weigh in at? 204? Yeah. So he came in at 204, which is a win for him. Like uh, somebody told me. I love Why this. Why is it a win yeah. if we all know it's fake? Like, to because, be clear, he's like, I got to bulk up so it doesn't say 195. But everyone who does this for a living is like, well, he bulked up and didn't do the drills so that he'll do the drills later when he bulks back down to his playing weight. So let me get this straight. His agents think we're so stupid and all the people who work for the teams are so stupid that even though we intellectually know he's not actually 204 pounds, that was fake. It's a Fugazi. He can do we'll it, though. S- he, he proved fuck. he can gain weight. Honestly, I actually mean? do. I think it's important. Some guys literally, no matter what they try, cannot gain weight. Yeah, like, was it good? If, he, if you were to come in, or was if you were to come in, weight. Yes. Oh, well, who cares? He can gain weight. That's the no, deal. What does that mean? Honestly, he, he did, eat milkshakes here, and donuts and get Here's fat. my impression. He did not look fat to me. Like he looked like, uh, you know, it, it was the yeah. good kind of I mean, weight. He I was wearing say, like hoodies and zips the whole time. Platform <laughs> shoes. Just is the yeah. whole thing yeah. like is the entire thing with his weight so that the GM who drafts him doesn't have to answer the question of why he was two hundred four yeah. and not one ninety seven? Like it's here's, crazy. That here's the other it, thing: if he hadn't have gained the weight, you know what we'd have been saying this whole fucking week? He can't even gain like five pounds to come into the combine <laughs> and get over two hundred pounds, right? Like he Rock fucking proved it yeah, yeah. for Bryce. So, I, think, right. I think it was a, it was a he was a winner for that. Yeah. Getting so, over two hundred four pounds, like yeah. it, it eliminates us from talking about it. What all is week. he going to weigh week one? <laughs> like one eighty, one ninety five. This would be solved if we used like what do the English use stone? If we just, it's kind of like how we're obsessed with six feet tall, but it's just like a random thing of our measurement system. So right, what it's called in stats is threshold bias, right? And the entire height weight conversation is threshold bias. But the reason we talk about biases is because and this goes back to DK's salient point. We're humans. Humans got biases. So let's look at first round <laughs> quarterbacks who were sub 200 pounds in the history of the NFL draft. Clint Longley, Jim McMahon, Steve Fuller, Tommy Kramer. That's it. <laughs> are, we playing, are we playing two truths, one lie? Who are those yeah, people? Tommy no, Kramer's not real, is he? So, I've heard of like Tommy. one of those people. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So now, right. Now let's talk about quarterbacks who are like over 200 and like under 210. All right. Uh, Andre Ware. Mark Wilson, Dave Wilson, Kyler Murray, Johnny Manziel, Steve Walsh, Cade McNown, Michael Vick came in at 210. You start to get a wider group and you start to get a group that has some better names to it, right? Which just doesn't mean Bryce Young's any better or worse than he was. It just changes the family of guys in which he's going to be talked about. The biggest concern was that 
to me was that Young was going to be both short and slight, right? He was going to be very short and he was going to be very thin. He ended up about as short as I expected. I was kind of polling everybody I could talk to in the days before uh, the draft, like media, like everybody, you know what I'm saying? And just asking, like, what do you think Bryce is going to come in at? And a lot of people had a lot of faith that he was going to be like almost 5'11". He came in at just over 5'10". He is short, but he's not as slight as we thought we were going to be. He was at 204. I was told he was he was eating 10 pancakes a morning for the last three weeks, okay? <laughs> so like... That's again, a lot of pancakes, to, holy shit. To Craig's point, this is not the sort of thing that you feel good about, but coming in at 204 helps the general manager. Wait, Vin, were you him. joking? Or, or, yeah, I, I was wondering the same thing. Were you joking about the pancakes thing? Nope. That was that was, that was was said to me in complete seriousness. <laughs> Wait, how many pancakes? pancakes a, a morning? Ten pancakes? Ten pancakes every morning. And it Hold on, are we talking like silver dollar? Yeah. I did not ask as to the size of the pancakes. Give me the diameter, yeah. So yes. at your local Denny's every morning is one guy who lost his fantasy league and has to sit there for 24 hours and eat Grand Slams. And next to him is Bryce Young, <laughs> Bryce Young ordering slam. 10 pancakes every morning. <laughs> Give me three His agent's slams. like, you have to be here for 24 <laughs> hours feel, and every pancake and a waffle is an hour feel, off your okay. time. So like quick, like, like aside, I feel so much better that you guys thought I was joking and then asked me about it because I've been saving that nugget for days to say to Craig and Danny because I thought they'd love it the most. And I, I said like, it and nobody reacted. I was like, dang, I thought that was a banger. I just started <laughs> thinking about later. I immediately started just thinking about Mitch Hedberg. How are you talking about how pancakes are all exciting at first, but by the end, you're fucking sick of them. Can you imagine eating yeah. 10 pancakes? I know, mix it up. Like, can we do something else? Like, mix in a waffle or something. When you're looking at a menu, like, do I order pancakes? I'm like, all right, cool. Do I want my day to end at 1130 in the morning? Jeez, imagine just the sugar, like, let down halfway through. Man's went on the Michael Phelps diet there. Wow. I think that's why Bryce Young was the first quarterback at the podium. It's because by the time Anthony Richardson spoke, Bryce Young was asleep. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I, we have an email here that I think captures this bigger picture conversation, mm-hmm. especially because we're we're really talking about these three guys kind of represent a bigger picture here where it's like Anthony Richardson, not, I would say, excellent at football yet, but every <laughs> physical tool you'd ever ask for. CJ Stroud, who's like the perfect quarterback you wanted 15 years ago, and then Bryce Young, who's great, but small. 
And so we got an email from Mason who says, Mason, 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 listen to the bot talking about quarterback ceilings. Am I crazy or do physical tools have nothing to do with the quarterback ceiling? Tom Brady is the consensus greatest of all time, had nothing special physically. And before him, Joe Montana also didn't have any crazy tools. Joe Burrow doesn't have any crazy tools. Drew Brees was below average in a lot of tools. And in my mind, if you have enough arm to stretch the field and hit the outside, don't you have the same ceiling as the greatest quarterbacks ever? I get the fantasy of Anthony Richardson or Josh Allen constantly using their legs and size to win the numbers game against defenses and the arm to bail themselves out of jams, but we've just never seen this play out. Well, don't we not necessarily email. know what the quarterbacks like? Like back when Joe Montana right. was getting drafted, we didn't they didn't look at quarterbacks the same way as they did today. Like they weren't letting people who looked like Lamar yeah. Jackson play quarterback, so we don't know. I, what I think exactly the easy answer here is we want our cake and eat it too. What's the expression? We want to have our cake and eat it too. By the way, I don't get that. I don't it's know what that means. It's a weird expression and I'd rather not get into it. Um, <laughs> it means actually, <laughs> it's I want it that way, but also the other way. Uh, like that's really what this whole song's about. Is you can't have it both ways. When I wasn't on the pod and I heard you guys talking about that, I wanted, I was shouting uh, to try and hope you would hear me, but you didn't. But the, the guy who wrote that song like had a loose grasp on English. We got an email about that too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. Max Martin, shout out, legend. But like, I think the closest thing to I think the ceiling that we're talking about when we talk about all these ridiculously athletic guys is Mahomes, and he's not like an elite runner, but his arm is elite, and it allows him to do so many different things that that almost no other quarterback can do. And so I think he's the guy I think of when I think of ceiling elite matching like the mental side of the game and the accuracy and all that, but the elite arm strength and elite like ability to throw off balance. And he had a freaking high ankle sprain in the Super Bowl. You didn't even barely notice it. You know what I mean? Cause he has that. He's just able yeah. to generate torque. His, to his dad is literally, <laughs> his dad was a, like a MLB pitcher. Like he has the arm strength. It's just, he's, you know, just gifted. And so I think when I think of ceiling, it's not necessarily Josh Allen, although Josh Allen, I think like big picture has the most tools. Um, I think of like, you're getting Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL by like a long shot because he has all the mental stuff down that you would talk about with, you know, Joe Montana and Breeze and all that, but he also has an elite arm. And so mixing those together, that's maybe a pipe dream, but that's what we're going yeah. for. We want our cake and eat it too. So like, what do you make of this tools being overrated? So uh, Mason, I want you to Google or Twitter search Justin Fields, Hassan Reddick. And I want to, I want you to watch the, the dead to right sack that Hassan Reddick had on Justin Fields in the game against the Eagles played against the Bears. And then I want you to watch the, watch the subsequent breaking of the sack and 60-yard run that Justin Fields ripped off afterward. And then I want to circle back on the conversation. Right? Because <laughs> that's 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 where we're at right now in terms of, of quarterback tools. Because Stuart Mandel, who like, Stu's the man. Stu's been doing this for forever. After Richardson jumped, he basically quoted me and he was like, yeah, what about all the receivers he misses on film? Firstly, there's it's just cool to watch a guy jump. It's just cool to watch a guy who's 244 pounds go 40 inches just in the push air. Him out, just like there's, come on, the, push him out the door like yeah, the office thing. Yeah, there's a there's a that boy nice you know perspective here that I think is valid. <laughs> but yeah, but secondly, um, more quarterbacks are tucking the ball and running both in the design game and in the scramble game than we've ever seen. And among those quarterbacks, Daniel Jones rips off a nice eight yard scramble on third and six first down. Boom. That's beautiful. The stuff that like a guy like fields does in terms of turning a sack second and 19, the drive is over, right? Take, take your ball, go home. We are punting this football sacks are drive enders turning a sack, not just into like, Oh, throw away second and 10 into a 40 plus yard run where he breaks angles from linebackers and he outruns safeties. Like Anthony Richardson is a walking explosive play. And that, 
walking explosive play, that explosive play happens after you already like have the chance to throw the football. It's like, oh, let's see if we can throw it and get downfield and get the ball to one of our receivers. Like, oh, we couldn't. The defense won. Cool. Now the 4-4 guy is going to run. You just get a whole <laughs> second play. And so that's why, like, yes, it does. Does it feel intuitive that we care about a quarterback jumping straight up in the air? No. But we do. In this modern NFL, we absolutely do. Richardson's ability to create explosive plays on the ground is hugely impactful to his draft evaluation. Before we finish up, just with Mason, though, I think I think his point is very fair, though, that like ultimately some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time are just really mm-hmm. fast processors and get the ball out and get the ball to the receivers and make the right decisions with the football throw a catchable ball in like Joe Montana's case. Um, and a lot of it too, like when, t- when we're talking about ceiling is like the mental side of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the biggest reasons like Burrow is where he is in the NFL right now is just cause he's like, so right. confident and cool and never doubts himself and all that stuff. So um, it is never just a black and white discussion. Yeah, I think the puzzle. That, yeah. Yeah. However, I, on that note, I want to circle back to what Craig said at the beginning, which is, at the end of the day, no one knows anything about the world. And all we do is point <laughs> at other successful models that have happened in the past and try to build on it. And in that way, there is a black and white element of this conversation where a lot of black quarterbacks were not allowed to play in part because they were looking at the Joe Montana model. I actually want to read a quote from John Harbaugh about why they were trying to read like the model of quarterbacking itself. And this is from Harbaugh a few years ago before the Lamar MVP season. Harbaugh. Do we do, we do that with a John? <laughs> oh, John. 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 <laughs> He said the game was probably revolutionized with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, and that has been the quarterback model for the last 25 or 30 years. And we've yep. all been chasing that Joe Montana model, pretty much trying to find that quarterback and find that rhythm and all the things that go with that offense. And it really hasn't changed too much. None, none of us can envision what's going to come in the future. And I think that this is an interesting question because that's kind of how it works. It's like they were chasing yeah. Joe Montana. And we're when Anthony Richardson says at the podium, I call myself Cam Jackson, like Cam Newton Lamar. We are at the beginning of the next model and that it's Joe Montana. There's a reason Tom Brady grew up watching Joe Montana in the stands for those Super Bowls. The same way like Anthony Richardson's calling himself Lamar. CJ Stroud sit at the podium. He wore, he wore number seven because Michael Vick wore number seven. We're in a new era of quarterbacks watching other quarterbacks, playing like other quarterbacks. And it's just like Montana. It's going to iterate and build on top of it. 100%. So, we, we we're looking for the, the NFL version of Otani, like a guy who can pitch and hit like elite levels on both it's, sides. It's like, happening across every sport. Look yeah. at Victor Wembanyama, who's going to yes. be the number one pick in the draft. He's seven, three and is, right. is faces this, the basket when yeah. he plays basketball. Now, which, <laughs> yeah. three, years Steph ago, Curry. three yeah. years ago, they would have put him in the paint. They wouldn't let him shoot. Yeah. Yep. This, this goes, this goes to my, one of the other points I had just about, like I wrote about this. Everybody's breaking every record every year at the combine. Like the kids are just yeah. more athletic, man. Like the training yeah. is better. So that's a big part of it. But also like, a guy that looked like and moved like Anthony Richardson years ago, they would have been like, brother, you can be a good Mike linebacker. Ooh, Defensive baby. end or something. This guy's yeah. going to be a nice gap fitter against the run. And now we're like, <laughs> ah, big, fast quarterback, smart quarterback, <laughs> big, smart quarterback, small, smart arm quarterback, 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 quarterback. Get the dudes a quarterback, baby. Dude, so I want to go through that. So uh, mm-hmm. 
you wrote a great piece for the ringer kind of coming away from the combine. And what struck me was we just had winners and losers of the combine loser, all the records that existed for this week. So Anthony Richardson, as we just mentioned, broke all the common numbers for the quarterback. Nolan Smith, the defensive end out of Georgia, the edge rusher had the second fastest 40 for an edge rusher ever. Uh, Blake Freeland, an offensive lineman, BYU had set the vertical jump record for linemen or offensive linemen. Uh, Safety, uh, Jartavis Martin for Illinois tied the record for vertical jump at safety. Defensive tackle, Kalijah Kansi broke the record for 40 yard dash by defensive tackles. Darnell Washington at tight end had the biggest wingspan ever for a tight end. Joey Porter Jr. I believe had the third largest wingspan for a cornerback at the combine. Why? <laughs> so like, why, <Yeah. laughs> are all, why is that happening? Why are all these people breaking all the records at every position? So firstly, I, yeah, it's, it's testing preparation has never been better. Right? When you, yeah, exactly. Like guys are just so much of the 40 yard dash is how you get out of the blocks. And I, the first 10 yards, like using track runner techniques to like effectively launch yourself out of those blocks, keep your balance and, and then minimize that time. And just so many guys know how to train that better now. And they pay more attention to it because they know the league pays attention to it. That's a big part of it. Jumping so much of jumping that we've learned is like mobility, right? It's, it, it's, it's the ability to create explosive power from your hips. We need to have flexibility to do that. You need to access all those little muscles, and those stabilizers in your hips. And so, so much of that has become mobility training. Like we're just a lot better at training to these exercises. So that's a big part of it. The other big part of it is like, as the NFL increasingly realizes and learns that like, oh, let's just draft some insane athletes, get them in the building. And and these guys are really high floors because they're such good athletes. It becomes increasingly valuable for guys who, who, who are entering the NFL draft to be like, I have to display my athleticism as well as possible. The other thing, when you see these 40 yard dash times, is that positions are just getting lighter and smaller, mm. right? Kalaja Kansi ran the fastest 40-yard dash time. Well, here's a secret for you. Kalaja Kansi is 275 pounds. That dude wasn't a defensive tackle 10 years ago. So if we were, if we had always been doing 275-pound defensive tackles, then there maybe could have been other guys who ran faster. But Kansi just is the lightest dude, and so he ends up the fastest dude. Nolan Smith, 239 pounds, right? I mean, he's sub Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, yeah. who was famously a linebacker, played at 261. He's yeah, I mean, so, so he's... Yeah. 239 on the edge, it just being a sub 240 pound edge is just not something you saw in the 2000s, right? And now you're seeing it to the point where Georgia places a kid there. He's great against the run. And then he runs that, that 439 with a 1.52 10 yard split, which the, that's a true record for edges. So uh, 1.52 seconds in the first 10 yards of the 40, which that 10 yard split is literally like, how do you get off the ball? Like, how do you get from a three point right. stance into rushing the passer? And Smith's got the best one ever, which matches with this film. That's really, really exciting for, for Smith. So guys just get lighter. And that's why you see so many of these 40s get faster and faster and faster. So, DK, of that whole list, I'm curious, who are they of these insane record breaking times or measurements overall? I'm curious, what are the one or two that stand out to you as significant in your draft board? And again, NFL draft the uh, DK's got. Mock drafts, big board, the best player evaluations of the game, everything at NFLDraft.com. Hit the link in the bio. You have a great mobile guide. And the mock draft will be up on Wednesday, I believe. So I think the guy who, it's a few days out now, and like this tends to happen, like it gets just sort of like buried beneath the other news. But like Nolan Smith absolutely blew up his workout. Was it on Friday or Thursday? I can't remember. Um, And he's again, the edge rusher out of Georgia, former five-star. He was the number one recruit in the country. And then, but he kind of fell off the national radar a little this year because he missed half the season uh, to a knee injury, I believe. And so he just, you know, didn't have a ton of buzz, but he showed, and, and Heifetz, you were asking me before the show, like, give me some context of what he like is as an athlete. What, what does this mean? He's a DK Metcalf level athlete. Like he is freakishly fast, 
at 239 pounds, 1.5 to 10 yard split, which is the fifth best for any defensive endeavor, 41 and a half inch vert, which is the best vert for a defensive endeavor, uh, 10-8 broad, which is the ninth best. So he's like top 10, you know, in every explosion and speed met, uh, metric that there is. And he's really, really explosive and fast. So it's and like if DK Metcalf was a pass rusher. Right, but he can turn. Like that's the other thing. He's he's very bendy. <laughs> Unlike and DK Metcalf, yeah. DK no. Metcalf cannot turn. He's a, he's a, like a aircraft carrier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nolan Smith is a jet ski. He can like freaking get back into the uh, get back into the pocket. He can get low, fly into the quarterback. I think he's a really impressive athlete, obviously, um, but he's also a very good pass rusher. The only question is, of course, the size thing, which Solak laid out so perfectly before. Um, you know, is he going to be big enough? He's not going to fit everybody's team, but he got a lot of comps to Hassan Reddick, who obviously had a huge season for the Eagles this year. Um, I think that's a pretty, like, in terms of size, that's a it's a good comparison. Yeah. He's going to have to prove that he can play the same way, though. Smith's very likable. I just think that, again, like, it's a Bryce Young thing. There's going to be at least 10 teams who are like, nope. No. Yeah. Like, like look at the average size of a Saints defensive end. It's like 270 pounds. There are some teams for whom Nolan Smith just like isn't a functional player. That's going to be a, a, a tricky thing. That being said, I think he will still be a first round pick. I do think so. I think I think you can't pass on the record set or ten yard split if you right. need a pass rusher or like right. you know, over time. Uh, if he gets to the Ravens, good night, good night. <laughs> We're going home if he gets to the Ravens. All right, DK, who's another? I I don't even know the word person who's very big and or fast that you're like, wow, that person's even bigger or faster than I thought. <laughs> there is a there is a correct answer here, by the way. Darnell Washington from Georgia. Yeah, boy. Well we're done, looking for. Yes. Six foot seven, 264 pounds. <clears throat> Tight end. Uh, another guy who looks like he's 30. Like he's just so big and strong and long arms. Um, this is the, this is actually the, what if LeBron played football guy? <laughs> so like, how, what did you say in your, uh, in your article that he has the longest wingspan of a tight end ever? Is that what he's he the longest wingspan of a tight end ever? He has a seven 20- feet. Over seven feet. It is 83.75. So yeah, it's it's seven feet two inches. Uh it's a twenty it's like twenty-fifth. It's top twenty-five among all positions. So like including defensive ends and offensive tackles. Like think about your like Jared Joneses of the world and like uh Dewan Jones, right? The kid out of Ohio State. Like just like some of these guys who've been mad, like he could play tackle. Like he's got the wingspan yeah. where he could functionally play tackle. And then he ran a short shuttle, which is also called the five ten five drill. If you don't know what the short shuttle is, they don't televise it. Basically, you start at the twenty-five yard line. And you're facing a sideline. You're not facing the end zone. You're facing a sideline. You run as fast as you can, five yards to your left, and touch the 20-yard line. Then you run as fast as you can, 10 yards to your right, touch the 30-yard line, and then you run five yards back and you cross the 25-yard line. So five yards, 10 yards, five yards, the short shuttle. It measures quickness. It measures quickness and change of direction. It is typically a drill for small people. Right, like you're short low to the ground. Slot receivers. <laughs> you're, you're able to, 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 to dig in really quick and pop out really fast. Change direction, handle your momentum. It is not a drill for big, lumbering, six foot seven tight ends. I was shocked at this. I didn't. I, I mean, his I, arms I like him. are the length of Joel Embiid, which the arm length does help a little bit. Because you have to touch the line, right? So he can stop a little bit sooner and just reach out and be like, ah, <laughs> just get just get get, get oh, a ball. Maybe on that's it. it. Yeah. But Darnell Washington ran the third fastest <laughs> short shuttle in the entire combine. Like Jackson Smith, that's insane. It's insane. And then Darnell Washington, it's unbelievable for a guy this huge to be that quick. Is he good at catching the football? Yes. And that's the other thing. He caught a one hander. There was a big highlight going around. He like leapt up, twirled Mm -hmm. around, and just snatched the ball in the air with one hand, and then caught it. Like he's 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 got skills as a receiver too. Yeah. Here's the best way to describe Washington. All right. 
he had like we we've seen tight ends take over the league. We've seen tight ends become more important part of of offenses. Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews. Washington has the ability to become an elite tight end. He's not there yet. He needs polish. He needs work. He has the ability to become an elite tight end, one of the greats. If he does so, it will not be in the mold of the Kelsey, the Waller, and the Andrews. It won't be in the mold of of 120 plus targets and, and dominating the passing game. It will be in the mold of Gronk, and that's right. not a comp, but that is to say that like. You would watch Gronk like this guy's incredible. What a receiver! Breaking tackles—that's insane. And then they would just like leave him one on one with an edge, and he's just like stonewalling Von Miller. And you're like, what world am I living in right now? Like a true dominant blocker and a true dominant receiver who puts his hand in the dirt for 45 plays and beats every single dude lined up against him. Doesn't matter how big, how fast, how quick, how small, whatever. Like if Washington hits, he hits in that mold—the true right. inline tight end—and that is special. I was actually really shocked that he ran so fast and had such a uh, quick you know, agility mm-hmm. drill times, because when I watch him and this is not necessarily a negative, but he lumbers around like he's a big lumbering fella, you know, mm-hmm. on the field. He does pick up speed, but this is exactly how it was with Gronk. Like he looks like he's lumbering. He looks like his knees hurt, like when he's running around, you know what I mean? Like he just doesn't have like the fluidity of a lot of these other guys, but he still covers a lot of ground and he's so big. You can't guard him. And that's kind of how it is with Darnell Washington. So he's, you know, he's one of the more interesting guys in this whole class. He's got, he's got Greg man. Odin syndrome. Even when Greg Odin yes. was 21 years old, he looked yeah. like he was like moving like a 40 year old man. <laughs> exactly. Um, the other guy I wanted to bring up real quick for when we're talking about like the elite athleticism stuff is Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, who <clears throat> came in, came into the combine. I think most people were not really expecting much from him. They were basically, he's not going to, he did not run the 40. And that's one of the big knocks on him. He doesn't have like that elite high end speed, but his ability to change direction, his body control, that's apparent on his tape, I think. And he went out and ran two of the best times for the short shuttle and the three cone in combine history. He's the fourth fastest short shuttle for a receiver ever at 393. Wow. And then uh, three cone was 12th best among receivers ever in the combine. So like he showed, and when you watch him do it, you can see why he like, his feet just like stick to the ground. He just moves so quickly. He has no problem changing direction. So, and that's why I gave him the future New England Patriot Award for the weekend. I, well, hold on. I, I two, two different <laughs> questions here. One, Jackson Smith and Jigba. This is the receiver at Ohio State where Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both were like top thirteen picks in the draft last year. And we're like, yeah, yeah. We, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's better than us. Like they just said that. But you, but you're saying he's a Patriot and they suck at drafting receivers. So you think he's good or not? No, I think he's good. I'm saying the Patriots love the three cone and the short shuttle. They love the agility oh, okay. stuff. The uh, there's nothing I hate more than. X player said, my teammate's good. Drives me <laughs> off the wall. Can you imagine? But he like, is good though. He is. He's great. It's just, it's it like right now, Danny, if don't put anything, came, don't bank on that yet. It's like putting a reference on your resume and you call it and like, <laughs> how was Ben? They're like, Oh yeah, Ben was the no, best. It's like LinkedIn. When you recommend your friend for like Microsoft PowerPoint on LinkedIn and you're like, cool, cool. Yeah. Right. Cool. Proficient in PowerPoint. I'll tell you what exactly it's like right now. If somebody came up to me and was like, Hey, who's one of the best, middle school English teachers in the state of Alabama, I would go my sister, not because I know a lot about the best middle school teachers in English in the state of Alabama. I would go this person I like and who I know, I want a good thing to happen to them. That's the whole logic behind it. And we always talk about it. Like it means so much. It drives me crazy. Having said that, I do. I have felt all year. He was supposed to be like the number one receiver in this class. And he got a hamstring injury, like immediately, like in week one of the college football season. He basically didn't play all year. And he kind of made it worse trying to come back. So I will say, though, I, I, he was at the podium press conferences this week and Smith and Jigba was super quiet, super shy. And I was kind of like, I'm not going to get anything out of this. And I wander over and it was Marvin Mims. 
who was a receiver. He's transferred out of Oklahoma. Marvin Mims grew up playing basketball with Jackson Smith and Jigba. It was also funny because Jackson Smith and Jigba's older brother is actually a minor leaguer for the Pittsburgh Pirates, whose mm. team is in Indianapolis. So there's a giant poster of Jackson Smith and Jigba's little brother in Indianapolis. It's kind of funny. So I was talking to Marvin Mims about playing basketball, Smith and Jigba. And I'm like, who's his NBA doppelganger? And no hesitation. He's like, Patrick Beverly. And I was like, that's awesome to hear. It's exactly what I want my wide receivers to be like. I I want all of them to be like really athletic Patrick Beverly's. I love that. I love it, Jigba. Um, This is just so stupid, but like a lot of the stuff that we do at the combine is stupid. Like somebody showed me Smith and Jigba's high school receiving stats when we were in Indianapolis. And I would draft him just based on his high school stats. (laughs) Like, never mind the fact that he put up like one of the best seasons ever last year. Not the not not this last season, but the season before when he played the whole season. Like statistically, it was absurd. He like had like 250 yards, you know, in the in the Rose Bowl. His senior year of high school, 2,100 receiving yards and 34 touchdowns. <laughs> His junior so year, 1,800 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns. And this he is he, he's like his his high school exploits are legitimately legendary. Like I would draft him straight out of high school. <laughs> he should every year they should let one guy go out of high school. Seriously, yeah. he's so like. But this is the deal, and like I think this is why the the speed thing gets overplayed with Jigba. He's just so fucking good. He's just such a natural. He's a route runner. He gets open. His hands are amazing. He's just so smooth. I don't know. I I, I just love this guy. So so many of the best wide receivers in the NFL like aren't that fast. Right. Exactly. It's like the quarterback conversation. Like like it, actually Mason's email continued to be like mm-hmm. Jerry Rice and Michael Thomas and so and Devontae Adams like aren't that fast. Yeah. But DeAndre they're good. Hopkins. But they're good in other ways. Sure. Right. Uh, honestly, also just a good weekend for Ohio State in general. I hate to say it. I still like. You it's nice to see them finally the win something. Why do you hate to say it? Do you not like Ohio State? Well, the Ohio State. It's just like Ohio <laughs> State's like a. Well, this is big. I got to be careful here, but like the Ohio, like the, there's just like they think they're Alabama, but they're not. Wow. And, but why do you not like that? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. It just rubs me the wrong way. Why do way. we root against the Cowboys? You like we Alabama more? Yeah. You root for them more than Ohio State? They they've earned the the right to act that way more. Yes. And they oh, Solak is the, who actually lives in the Midwest here. It's just like yeah. from well, I lived in like Pennsylvania, where if I ran into a college fan, it was a Penn State fan, and I live in Michigan, where it's Michigan, Michigan State fans. So the only unifying thing of my entire experience of college football fans has been we hate those guys. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm down for that. I like <laughs> I grew up just like predicated on the idea of hating the Patriots and hating the Cowboys, right? Like we were a Steelers family, Jets family, Eagles family, so we didn't agree on who we rooted for. We agreed on who we hated, and it was Patriots and Cowboys. So I'm fine for the universal hatred of Ohio State. With that said. I love me some big tackles. Uh, there have been, since 2000, only 19 offensive tackles with arms longer than 36 inches. Two of those 19 played for the Ohio State Buckeyes last season. Paris Johnson Jr., 36 love and 1 8th on the left side. Dewan Jones, 36 and 3 8th on the right side. For perspective, the threshold that teams usually want their offensive tackles to hit in terms of arm length, they have to be at least this long, is 33 inches. So these guys are clear in the bar. Uh, Dewan Jones also came in at a uh, six foot eight and 374 pounds and then ran a five, three, which like speed score wise, like, how fast you're moving your mass is bananas. Like you remember watching Jordan Davis's 40 last year where you're like, oh, this guy <laughs> could like chase down a cyber tooth, saber tooth tiger and kill it with his bare hands. Like this is a guy who like he's going to live after the rapture. That's the feeling you get with Dewan Jones. <laughs> like, this guy gets, is going to survive in the dystopian Bill future. Definitely. No problem. Um, Paris Johnson's been talked about as a top 10 pick. I think he is one uh, off of conversations I've had and then the way that he tested. Dewan Jones has been talked about as a fringe first rounder. I think he is one based off of the way that he tested. Yep. I think both yep. Ohio State tackles go around one. 
Your Ohio State, all I'm saying is that, that honestly, as a, New, uh, as a Jewish person from New York, Ohio State talks about football the way that we talk about bagels, which is like, there's this air of like, we invented football. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all. That's all, all right. I'm um, you know, just that's all. It's okay. All right. I also want to talk about the running backs. Uh, Bijan Robinson. I also learned this weekend. It is Bijan. It is not Bijan. Oh, really? It's the okay. Booby Miles out of Texas running back, basically. We've got Jameer Gibbs, who transferred, but he's Alabama. And then your guy, DK, Texas A&M running back, Devonna Chain, who fastest kid alive. Do you think these are the three top running backs in this draft? Like Bijan and Jameer Gibbs, like those are first round running backs, you think? Those are, yeah, Bijan Robinson. Wow, that's going to take, it's going to be I don't like that. for a little while. <laughs> Bijan. He prefers like Bijan. He's sick with Bijan. <laughs> it's like Jalen Waddle, who's just like, you know what? No one's going right, to call me Waddell, Waddell, so I'll just live with it. But that is how it's pronounced. Okay, well, we'll, we'll try. Also, we'll Jalen leans, I mean, he does the fucking Waddle end zone dance. So what do you want us to do? <laughs> well, he calls that his stage name. He's referred to it as his that's stage That's fair. Um, Bajan Robinson and, and Jameer Gibbs are like the, I would say the locks to be one, two in, in this class. Uh, Devon A chain is my number three. I can see why a lot of teams may not like him just because he's 188 pounds. I thought that was actually like a decent size for him. Um, but he is just absurdly, absurdly fast, absurdly, absurdly explosive as an accelerator. Um, and they all showed that basically, uh, speed does with the caveat that speed doesn't really matter as much as long as you hit a certain threshold at running back. These guys were like three of the fastest players in the combine, three of the fastest running backs in the combine. So, um, A chain gives Bijan. Yeah, I just, not, we're, we're not going to take a ton away from this, but they all lived up to their billing in terms of like really explosive and great accelerators. Bijan Robinson in particular didn't even look like he was trying and he ran a 446. I, I think he's going to be in the top 15. Bijan, he's I, again, he's booby miles from Friday Night Lights. He's literally just the truth. Uh, okay, if there is one guy off the radar here who you just saw his numbers, you're like, I got to watch this dude again. Both of you, who's that guy? One dude. Eddie Tamiwa Adabare. He's the yep. defensive tackle out of Northwestern. Had a nice day at the Senior Bowl. Got a great. I got watched a game of his film at like two a.m. I was like, okay, yeah, makes sense. Go keep keep me posted. I'm mid round guy, whatever. And then he was two hundred and eighty two pounds. I was like, yeah, a little bit of a tweener size. That's cool. And subsequently ran a four four nine forty, which just is absurd. Four four nine. The right. faster like than the receiver. Like we just said, like Bajan, Bajan ran four four six, and he's a running back. He's supposed to run. <laughs> he's like two fourteen. This yeah. guy's like a. Sub defensive tackle, big end. He's That's like a crazy. Marcus Davenport. Yeah, four four nine. In terms of again, I, I brought this up before speed score, which is just functionally weight adjusted forty time. How fast are you moving your mass? This is the best speed score we've ever seen along the defensive line. Dude, never seen a guy this big moving this quick. Yeah, uh, that is eye popping stuff. So I, I'm excited to see him. DK yeah. always says that all 260 picks in the draft are the best athlete that anyone who's ever met them has ever like come <laughs> yeah, across. Right. And that like, they're just like a fifth wow. round pick. Stetson <laughs> Bennett coming for that. Other season, than him, baby. the greatest athlete his town has ever seen. That's like when you're like watching a college basketball game, like some random like group of five game. And it's like some dude from Boise state. They're not even going to make the tournament. And you're like, this guy sucks. And then you like go play with him at like a, at like a 24 hour fitness. And he's like the greatest <laughs> basketball player you've ever seen. You're yeah, like, Holy like, shit. It's like playing against magic Johnson. It's, yeah. it's just insane. <laughs> some guy who came off the bench for Fresno state basketball. And he's like, unbelievable. This is like, so it's so true. Like 
I've, you know, I've like Luke Ridnour was a local legend yeah. where I grew up like incredible, <laughs> like legitimately legendary player, high school player in the state of Washington. Wait, and then can he was you, like, everyone it, email us at ringer fantasy Who is your Luke Ridnour? Please mm-hmm. email us the completely random college or pro athletes who are just local lore from where I, you're from. I mean, I went to a, I went to a camp at Gonzaga with Luke Ridnour when I was in high school. And I remember <laughs> everybody would like stand around and just watch him. Absolutely. Just do whatever the fuck he wanted against a defense. Like it was incredible. And then he was just like an okay NBA player. Like that's it, you know? Um, so anyways, uh, to answer your question, I've had, I would say there's two guys, Byron Young from Tennessee, the edge rusher. I'm gonna have to go back and watch more of him. Cause he put up like Not top three, baller. top five numbers for edge rushers of all time, pretty much in every category. He is a Juco guy. He's about to turn 25. So, hmm. you know, I don't know exactly how, how high he'll go, but he probably got himself into day two. And so I mentioned Byron Young. And then the other guy I want to mention is Zach Koontz from Old Dominion, who is legitimately maybe the best tight end tester of all time. He had a 10.0 RAS, which is a relative athletic score. Number one overall, all time. 4.5540, like 40-inch vert. Everything is really good. Three-cone short shuttle. Everything was elite. High fits. This guy, you could say, is athletic. (laughs) Yeah, this guy, this guy is athletic. The most, yes, but he's the most athletic tight end ever. He can, he gets he, to be athletic. He's athletic. So therefore I love him. Um, Perfect. And, I, and I think he's going to be, he's probably like going to be a mid round pick now because he is just such an elite athlete, even though, you know, he is not a household name at any point, but um, former, you know, just multi-sport athlete, just really good athlete, which I love to see at tight end. Again, can I say he's an athlete? You can. I got to tell you though, with a name like Zach Kuntz, I don't well, think he ever will be a household name. I have to tell you. I think it's Kuntz. Not maybe? in the cards. I think it's Kuntz. I, well, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Kuntz would be a little bit much. K-U-N-T-Z. Kuntz. It's not going to be a household name. Yeah. All right. You guys want to get to two jargons and a lie? Let's do it. I thought I'd step in here and oh, give well, you guys thanks, one. Thanks, Craig. Oh, wow. It is Oscars week. The Oscars are this Sunday. Nice. So I thought, why don't not we do trouble. two movies that won the Academy Award for Best Picture okay. and one lie? <laughs> I couldn't name a single movie. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Holes. Apparently. And I wanted I want to clarify, one of these movies is completely made up. It's not a real movie. It wasn't a nominee that didn't oh. win. It's a made up film. Perfect. Because I prefer that. Okay. Here are the three movies. The Lost Weekend, Oliver, Guilty Men. Now oh, for crying out loud. If you want context or year, I can give it. Oh, <laughs> give me everything you got. Craig is all of the information right now. This is what you live for. Yeah, I want. What what was the fake Roger Ebert review? I don't have a fake Roger Ebert review. I I can give you a brief (laughs) synopsis. (laughs) Okay, Guilty Uh, Men. Guilty Men, 1963, directed by Fred Zinneman, starring uh, Alan Bates and Michael Caine, and it's about Neville Chamberlain and the United Kingdom ceding Czechoslovakia to Nazi Germany. Michael Caine. A lot of words. Michael Caine. Michael Caine, a young no, Michael Caine. It's, it's a little lower, like this. <laughs> he didn't blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> By the way, uh, this is this is a we spent probably so like two horrible. hours talking about the movie series The Trip, which like twelve <laughs> that, people have seen, but it's fucking amazing. Anyway, that continue. was overwhelming. <laughs> Michael Caine, as he got older, it got a um, little bit. The other movie, Oliver, nineteen sixty-eight, directed by Carol Reed, music drama adaptation of Charles Dickens' novel about Oliver Twist. Sounds real. And then The Lost Weekend, 1945, directed by Billy Wilder. It's about an alcoholic writer during a binge weekend of drinking. So, like, what do you think? God. I think the third one is fake. I'm going with Oliver. Guilty Men is just too on the nose. Like, you gotta have a subtler (laughs) title than, like, these guys did something. I think The Lost Weekend's fake. 
I think Oliver is fake. Actually, this is interesting. Like, yeah, like in 1945, I guess they cared about weekends then. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying with guilty men. I'm saying with guilty men. Final so you, answer. So you're all taking different movies. Yeah, yeah. Ben, Ben is correct. Guilty men's fake. What? I know Academy. What the fuck? How Oscars? did you come up with the synopsis for this, Craig? Are you Let's reading go. the Rise and Fall of the Third Reich or something? Um, there's just a lot of movies. There was a lot of movies about World War II back then, and I was like, "Hey, Neville Chamberlain, I don't know, British Prime Minister." <laughs> I tossed in Michael Caine. <laughs> Holy shit! I don't. Uh, you just wanted to do the I Michael Caine. Guilty Men is a book about Neville Chamberlain. Can you do some more Michael Caine real quick before we go? Yeah, wait. Ma- so like, I just sent you the video, so you get what. Oh, the bloody okay. <laughs> Yeah, Ben, just watch that 30 minute video real quick. Come back, yeah. <laughs> Michael Caine. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, I've seen this. There's uh, what's what's this? This actor's uh, there's a comedian. This is it's from the trip. It's Michael Coogan, right? Or Steve Coogan? Steve Coogan. They spend the whole movie doing impressions. It's like it's like a loose script where they basically just improvise the whole time. It's really funny. Rob Brydon, kind of like this. Rob Brydon, yeah, yeah. She was only sixteen years old. (laughs) (laughs) You're not doing it quite right. (laughs) You're not that You got to drop a few extra. (laughs) <laughs> That's good, DK. Boy, he throws nose. But that has changed. I can't do impressions. That's uh, fun. All right. All right. Well, all right. great job, Ben. Uh, right, maybe we can write the movie Guilty Men together. Craig, really that was way too specific. I'm actually yeah. very proud of you. The history hit right there. All right. That's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you. So like, thank you, Craig, for making up the two jargons that lie. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Thank you to everyone for li- listening. Email us at ringoffantasyfootball at gmail.com for your Luke Ridnauer, local legend. Thank you, Lorne. <laughs> Lorne. Thank Lord. you, Vampire Weekend. Nice. It's hard to sing a Vampire Weekend song because it's all just. Bu- bu- it, it bu- is. Bu- 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 <laughs> I, uh, I, I learned about Vampire Weekend right around the time I learned about music festivals. And so I thought Vampire Weekend was a music festival for like years. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Everybody dresses up. I just, yeah, I was like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. That That's what the movie like The Lost could... Weekend is about. It's, it's a vampire weekend. <laughs> wow. Yeah, The Lost Vampire Weekend. Yeah. All right, goodbye, everyone.